1: This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer Frank Fertorosa. Our guest this week is an actor, singer, and one of the busiest, most popular, and sought-after voiceover artists in the history of film and television giving voice to over 250 animated characters in hundreds of animated shows, including Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Danny Phantom, The Mask, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, The Tick, Freakazoid, Robot Chicken, Samurai Jack, Rick and Morty, and of course, Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, and Pinky and the Brain, for which he was presented with a well-deserved Emmy Award. He's also appeared in live-action series like Cheers, St. Elsewhere, and MacGyver, and feature films such as Spaceballs, The Jetsons Movie, and The Ant Bully, as well as over 1,000 commercials and dozens of video games. In a long and very prolific career, he's worked with and shared the screen with talents like Steven Spielberg, Mel Blanc, June Foray, Mark Hamill, and Stan Freeberg, to name a few, as well as former Amazing Colossal Podcast guests Carl Reiner, Mickey Dolans, Chuck McCann, Lorraine Newman, Ronnie Schell, and Billy West. He's also appeared in several cartoons. With someone near and dear to my heart. Me. (laughs) You want more? Okay. He's the host of his own podcast called Talkin' Tunes and is currently touring with the equally talented Randy Rogel in the musical comedy stage review called Animaniacs Live. Please welcome to the show a man of a thousand voices and a performer who once said, where else could I find a job where exclamations like egad, narf, splunk, and zort are allowed. (laughs) The enormously talented Rob Paulson. Oh, my God.
2: Gilbert Frank, I I fell asleep during my own introduction.
3: <laughs> that, <laughs> that happens. I guess
1: I, I guess
2: you know when you have very very kind sweet people, uh, or you've been around too long. If you fall asleep during your introduction, you've, you're about ready to punch your ticket. I think.
4: <laughs> did, did we pronounce thank Randy's you. name right, by the way? It's Rogel, isn't Hello, it? It's Rogel, but, yeah. you know, will listen. We'll we it. By my standards. <laughs>
2: it was right. You know, it was, a. I mean, there are only 26 letters in the alphabet. How <laughs> fucking hard can it be, really? No, but seriously, thank you. My goodness, you guys. That's that's really, really kind of you to say all those lovely things. And thank you for having me. It's just a joy and
1: an honor to be here.
4: Well, it's an honor to have you. Now, Thank you.
1: Now, it is weird that we've... Work together, but never yeah. worked together.
2: Well, and especially lately, uh, um, I know that you're uh, Krang, is it Krang
1: Prime on uh, Krang, Ninja Turtles? Krang the subprime. The subprime. <laughs> in, okay, in, uh, well, in about, I don't know, about three or four of the mutant Ninja Turtles.
2: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it, when they told me that you were doing it, everybody was thrilled to death because it's, um, you know, it's a great to have you aboard. But uh, this latest iteration of Ninja Turtles has been incredibly successful. And having had an earlier ride in the turtle van about, you know, 25 years ago. You were Raphael um, at
4: the beginning, and I was now Raphael, you're Donatello.
2: Right. I yeah. was Raphael in the beginning, and then 25 years later, they uh, they called me to be uh, Donnie in this show. And I'm telling you what, it is, no pun intended, it is an evergreen franchise. It's so successful. It's It just goes and goes and goes. And I can tell you also, Gilbert, that when I go do, you know, conventions and public appearances and stuff, uh, people ask if I've had the, the opportunity to work with you. And I say, well, not not really. And they're disappointed because they just love the idea that, <laughs> that you can work, you know, that Donatello is working with Gilbert Gottfried. So um, you are beloved
1: by the, by the Turtle Eastie. Oh,
4: says. Isn't oh, that wow. nice? Well, now this, you are working yeah. together.
1: Yeah, they've called me in uh, a bunch yeah. of times to be yeah. praying the subprime. And it's yeah, always well, it's- so much fun. Oh, man. It's honest to God. It really, well, you know, man,
2: you've done a lot of animation. It's it's the, it is the best gig in the world. I, I, honestly, where else can you work with people uh, whom are your personal friends, people you'd have over to your house, you get paid uh, really well, and you essentially are getting paid to do what got you in trouble in high school. You know, it's oh, it's yeah.
5: the, pretty
1: much, it's the, and, yeah, it's the coolest gig, and nobody cares what you look like. It's great, <laughs> and and you're one of those people who like you know nowadays and for the past few years, it's like I I always say, had Aladdin been made a year later, then Matt Damon would have been Aladdin, and uh, bingo, you know, yep. Julia I know Roberts would have been yep. the princess. Yep it's that, And I know where you're
2: going. And it's true. There There is such an incredible influx of celebrity talent. But I have to say, and, and I'm not one of those guys that gets bent out of shape about it. You know, some of the, the rank and file folks um, who are journeyman actors like myself were and very, very grateful to be such, you know, make no mistake. I, I, I really feel like with all due respect to Lou Gehrig, you guys in New York, with all due respect to Lou Gehrig, I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth, you know, and uh, but and with the influx of of uh, influx of celebrity talent and animated projects, I get it. I'm a capitalist. It's show biz. I know how mm-hmm. that works, but it doesn't always translate. And I I have my own empirical data. I did a uh, the movie that spawned the Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius series was a feature. Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, the movie, right? Um, the no celebrity talent uh, in the. Uh, Title characters, uh, they're the main characters. Made a hundred million bucks, got nominated for an Oscar. And then I did a movie you mentioned, The Ant Bully, uh, which was an absolute blast to do. But it had um, Julia Roberts and Meryl uh, Streep, Alan Cumming, Meryl Streep, yeah. Nick Cage, everybody, half a dozen Oscar. Paul winners. Giamatti, Paul Giamatti, yeah. went right in a dumper. Yeah, and and so I liked it. it though. Doesn't? It, oh no, it was, it was a good, good movie. It was good. But but the audience, I believe, had been sort of inundated with you know. Ants and a Bugs <laughs> oh, Life. Oh, yes. Oh, right. That's right. You know, so they kind of thought, did yeah. – oh,
1: he did the B movie. Oh, the B movie. The B. Yeah.
2: The, but, but, the, but I think part of that was they're going, well, you know, what? we'll we'll wait till it comes on video because we've seen pretty much the other, you know, little squiggly creature movies. But it is not a guarantee that having wonderful uh, Oscar-winning actors, to be sure, in the cast, but that does not necessarily translate – to uh, ticket sales, nor does it translate to a, a, a good movie. You know, it's it's about like everything else: performance, story, uh, and the way that people relate to the characters. And, sure. and you know, the folks you mentioned, Billy West, Jesus, God Almighty, Billy's from another planet. He
4: is, and, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we love him.
2: <laughs> In supremely more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But he's supremely gifted, and and can do pretty much
1: anything. So. You know, I get it. I know what you're saying. There are these actors that if you say them to the public, no one will know who they are. Right. But in the business, particularly the voiceover business, they all know them. Oh, of course. And, you know,
2: what's also really interesting, uh, you guys, is, um, I, I, yeah, where it's a very anonymous profession but I got to tell you, if I'm in, and I mean any social situation or a st- wh- whatever, if somebody ended the same with Billy and Maurice Lamarsh and all that, Frank Welker, if anybody finds out who I am and what I do, it's the most glorious, beautiful experience because all it does is make people smile. They go, "Oh my God, that's Pinky," or "That's Raphael," or "That's sure. you know Carl Weezer," or "That's uh, uh, Yakko. and 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 it is a it's a huge gift that has been bestowed upon me and a number of other folks who do what we do because literally all it does is bring joy to two or three generations of people and it's not about the way you look i don't draw them i don't write them but when people hear that voice man it just it just nails them right in the in the in the heart and it's just a beautiful experience so I I got zero complaints. I, it, you know, when people find out who I am and they make a fuss over me, I'm like any other actor. I, I would be lying if I said it wasn't very gratifying. Well,
4: we just had TV's uh, Frank here for Mystery Science Theater. Frank Connors. Oh yeah, sure. He said uh, he said, oh yeah, hey, Rob Paulson, He said, yeah, I was at a, a Dragon Con with him, and, and the line to see him was out the door.
2: Oh well, so, uh, those you, but those are people all working for the IRS. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't I signed their autographs for free. But no, honest to God, you guys, it is it is a Wonderful. And to get to an age now where where uh, I'm young enough to enjoy this and travel around and meet people, but old enough to have had a career that has uh, uh, affected a number of people, you know, like all of us, boy, what a sweet spot. If you stick around long enough and you're very fortunate to work on a couple of good things, then you can, you, it, it is a, a, almost impossible to describe what an incredibly gratifying experience this is, so.
4: Nice well, <Seller>. that you have so much gratitude. Your I was selling oh, to Gilbert. Your IMDb. We've done 170 of these, and I don't think anybody's had a longer IMDb page oh, than, than, wow, than you did. Cool. I used to think John Carradine had the longest IMDb page, <laughs> but I mean, we, I was counting credits for for days and days, Rob. Well, you
2: know, I, I, well, I, and and the the reason that happens, I think, um, Frank, is um, I mean, look at Frank
1: Welker's. His is probably twice as long
5: another, as another one. Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, just a Frank,
1: genius, Frank Welker. For people who oh, oh, no, don't know. Was in Aladdin, among a million other things. He was the uh, monkey and the tiger. Right. That's right. Crazy. And and he specializes... When yeah. when you see nature films, <laughs> yes, it's not they show a lion, but it's yeah. not the lion roaring. It's It'll be him. That's great. Yeah, it's Frank. He's,
2: he talent. was the voice of uh, Cujo, the dog, and and uh, the, he and Howie Mandel did most of the Gremlins. And that's right. Uh, you know, but uh, but uh, I, I think the reason we all have these sort of prodigious IMDb pages and, and credits is because we can knock out two or three sessions in a day, and if you're fortunate enough. To sort of get in that groove. Uh, you know, in the morning, I might do the tick. In the afternoon, I'm on Animaniacs. And then I sing a song for
1: Disney in the afternoon. And then you do that tour, you know, every day. What I found so weird of the voiceover guys that I knew is I'm well, now they have it, you have it in your house. Right. And you sit in your underwear all day. Sure. Yeah, for these guys. But there were these guys, they would. They would have a car drive them around, Don and they would yeah. run upstairs for like right. uh, twenty minutes, record a commercial, run downstairs, go right to the next one, and they right. do like fifty jobs in a day. Oh man! That's well, Don gig. LaFontaine, the 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 late
2: great Don LaFontaine, was you know Mister Trailer, the guy that would always say "In a world," yes, and, you know, and yes. fill that in. It, it precisely what you're talking about, Gilbert. He had. Uh, um, a relatively um, unostentatious, you know, town car, and a guy would drive him around. He'd pull up in front of LA Studios, knock out two or three trailers, boom, then go to Buzzy's down on uh, Melrose, knock out a couple more, and do it every day. And um, uh, and and that is uh, that's that is sort of the primo, the primo voiceover gig. In my case, it's more about being, you know, um, with other actors, and and uh, even if I could do my gig from home. With the studio, I, I wouldn't. I would much prefer to go and be around those people because the folks we've been talking about are, uh, and you know, because you've had Billy on and others, they are the most down to earth.
4: Yeah, we had Larry um, Kenny uh, too.
2: Larry Kenny, uh, yeah, utterly pretentiousless people. Yeah, yet so gifted. It's difficult to even comprehend what these people are, and they've been doing it for thirty plus
1: years, I know. and it never stops, man. It's crazy. Astounding. I, I, my favorite voiceover gig. Of all time, I was called in because, you know, even now, like they'll do something with Aladdin, like a computer game or sure. whatever. And this was some kind of computer game or something. And they said, uh, We just want the Yako the Parrot to laugh yes. at one point. And, and I go into the sound booth and I go, Ha ha! And they go, oh, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> and was then it, send me home right. with a. Where check. Where do we send the check?
2: <laughs> uh, it is. It's crazy. what a career. I'm telling. You, I have a couple of friends. Uh, well, um, Michael Bell is another guy who's been around a long time. And Michael, uh, his first huge thing that people knew him from voice-wise, when I was a kid, he was the guy that did the voice of butter, you know, for all oh those, yes, uh, oh yes, parquet margarine, and and he ultimately bought himself a place on the beach in Santa Barbara and he called it Casa de los residuales.
6: <laughs> oh, Isn't that right?
4: That's great? fantastic.
2: Yeah. And
6: it, 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 it's
2: crazy. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it, it is a, um, a pretty cool gig pays well and all of that. But uh, yeah, the, um, and, and again, I'm not interested in retiring. I love to retire. Good for I mean, you. I love to work. And so even if I could, and even if I wanted to, um or, or rather even if I could and I or somebody said you're done, it would break my heart because I want to do this till they put me in the dirt, man. I, what else would I do and and this is every day you kind of go, wow i'm I'm gonna be hanging out with uh, uh Cujo today or I'm gonna be hanging out with Bart today or I'm gonna be hanging out with Homer today or I'm
1: gonna be hanging out with uh Bender today you know it's just it's silly I, so, uh, I always feel like. As long as there's people around stupid enough to hire me, there you go. (laughs) I'm gonna keep working. (laughs) Well said. I, I,
4: honest
2: to God, That's a different kind of
4: gratitude. Yes,
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's
4: a little different than
2: Rob's. (laughs) Uh, We, we all have that same feeling, though, Gilbert. And every December 31st, I think, "Holy shit, I fooled them again." That's great. Yes. And And then every January 1st, the next day, I think, "Who am I kidding?" I got nothing that says you're going to be working this year. Nothing. I'm not under contract to a major studio. I don't have a steady gig, and I, so I, I think it does two things. It keeps me on my toes because um, uh, I never, never, never take it for granted.
4: Uh, and well, that's a typical performers fear, isn't it? Though it, that it you're, that real, you're or anybody sense, in show business. Me too. Well, I'm a writer. You hear, it's yeah. The same and thing. You
2: you know, you know what that's like. And I remember hearing. Um, Oh, God, it was, oh, I know, it's John Gilgood who was interviewed after doing um, uh, Caligula. You know, he got all sorts of shit about, oh, my God, Sir John Gilgood is in this sort of crazy, you right. know, soft porn gig. And I remember hearing this wonderful interview, and the guy was being very delicate and saying, you know, with all due respect, uh, Sir John and blah, 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 and the question, I mean, good Lord. And he was ultimately saying, how could you have done something like this? And, and he said, my dear, for the money. <laughs> you know, I mean, I got to work.
4: Very clear and about he, it.
2: Right. And he was saying, I, I have to work. And not only do I need to work uh, because of my, it's what I do, but I got to pay the rent. And I'm thinking, holy shit, it never stops.
1: Even and when you're Sir John I I Even, remember yeah. seeing an interview with Mel Brooks where he said when he was working on your show of shows with yeah. Sid Caesar, that his mother would call him up all the time and go... So, you still there? You still working? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: how about that
1: it's like
4: the Norman Lear story
3: yes <laughs> yeah
4: yeah, yeah just, it, with his mother and uh, you guys the, you know I, and uh, Rob did some voices for Aladdin you didn't work together on that either and I also know. the what was it the adventures of uh, the of, uh, the, oh, the annoying, adventures of Annoying Orange oh that's the Annoying that's right. Orange
2: yeah. wasn't that crazy and yeah. that see that's what I love about this business too is here's a kid uh, this sweet kid that put that thing together got his degree from the university his film degree no less from the University of North Dakota which is you know, arguably not the. It's not the. You know the the um, the the Paley School or whatever uh, at NYU. It is a. Um, uh, it's a. I'm sure a great school, but not well known for its film department. Nonetheless, the guy comes up with this, this idea of a talking orange, comes out to LA, and by the time he gets a meeting with people about doing a show, he's had 500 million hits on his little YouTube thing. Great. So any, ex- any executive with a pulse is going to talk to this guy. And I love the fact that those things happen. You know, there's these all these new ways of young creative people finding their way into Hollywood uh, completely differently than it used to be. And they come up with their own ways to do it. They build their reputation. Then they go to talk to somebody. They get a show. And then old actors like, you know, us get hired. It's just it's wonderful that we're we're included in these new uh in the, all this new technology yeah, truly really
4: is
1: i i this happens to me a lot where I'll get called to do a job at a recording place and I'll catch like the tail end of another voiceover guy mm-hmm. and and it is that amazing thing where you say, oh, this is a human being <laughs> yeah that does this- vo- like one of them was Norman Rose. Oh my God! Oh. Wait a minute. Why do I know Norman Rose? He's,
2: he's a big
4: he, voiceover, voice of God.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: He's yeah. got one of the. He's like LaFontaine, one of like those big that. monster voice yeah. guys. Yeah. 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 Or John
4: Fazenda.
1: Yeah, you oh, right. knew NFL you were guy. Th- hearing something important when Norman yeah. Rose told you. Yeah, and it and
2: was uh, the other guy uh, Alexander re-
4: Scorby. Oh Russ my Corby. God! Remember him? Yes. Love his voice. Well, yeah. and
2: remember, um, people used to watch uh, Lou Grant and um, and watch Mason Adams. Oh, Mason! And,
4: uh, yeah, Mason, uh, but, uh, Mason Adams. Right. That, That's right.
2: Right for years, for a hundred years before that, great voice. He was just wonderful voice, and he did that with a name like Smuckers. It has to be good. That's forever. right.
1: Oh, and, and Lenny uh,
2: Lenny Maxwell. Do you know, you know Len
4: Maxwell? I know yeah. who he is. I, yeah. I've never
2: had the pleasure, yeah. but and then you run into other guys who, God rest his soul, he he left a while ago. But uh, Lorenzo Music, I I I was oh, very close. This is oh. Carlton,
1: your doorman. <laughs> we loved
2: him, right? And a funny and writer
4: too.
2: Him. Oh, a wonderful writer. Yeah. and I knew him like Gilbert as as Carlton, Carlton the doorman. And then you know he gets hired as Garfield the cat, and he spoke exactly like that in real life. He did one thing. You know, he was like <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> He only spoke like this, you know, in fact, I remember we had the same agent for years and he was just a delightful man. And um, I remember we were both auditioning years ago for a uh, Knott's Berry Farm uh, radio commercial in which one guy is the Knott's Berry Farm employee and the other guy is uh, Dracula. So uh, we were in the booth together and the audition said, "Okay, Rob, you be the Dracula guy and Lorenzo, you'll be the. Knott's Berry Farm, which they call Knott's Scary Farm at Halloween. Okay, so he says, hi, you know, welcome to Knott's Berry, Knott's Scary Farm. How may I help you? I said, well, thank you very much. I was wondering where they're bobbing for blood or whatever it was. So they said, great, thanks very much, guys. And then Gilbert says, hey, wait, wait, wait. Do you, do you mind if I, if we switch parts? And I said, well, hell, I don't mind. Go ahead. So I say, hello, sir. Welcome to uh, Not Scary Farm. And, of course, uh, Lorenzo <laughs> says, I'm Dracula. Where can I go for the bobbing for blood? You know, it's just it's just it's Carl for the doorman slash Garfield doing a Dracula thing with. He sounds like himself. It's crazy. I
4: love that he had a second career as a a voice star because he was he was a comedy writer of some note.
2: yeah, was Mary Tyler Moore and a lots um, of stuff, lots of lots lots of comedy variety. Yeah, huge success. Lorenzo
4: music, and lots of sitcoms for uh, yeah, MTM, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, a
2: lot of MTM stuff, but yeah, it's it's great. And, and you mentioned Bob Ridgely. Oh my God, what a what a talented guy Bob Ridgley was. And naughty, but oh my goodness. Well, was. He was
4: he in that whole group? Was he in with the Pat McCormick and all that and Pat the Army's McCormick Army guys and, and the
2: Army's Army? Yeah, McCormick. Gary Owens
4: and all those guys. Yeah, yep,
2: all those guys. Hammy Camp
1: and
4: oh, Hamilton and, Camp. Uh, you remember him, oh, and, Gilbert? Oh, oh just, yes, sure. Now I, I loved heard. Hamilton.
1: With Roger Ridgely. Robert Ridgely. Robert, Robert Ridgely. Yeah. that Robert Ridgely, Somebody told me that he was basically, you know, like in uh, what was the movie? Uh, uh,
4: oh, uh, Bo- Boogie
1: Nights.
2: Boogie yeah. Nights.
4: Yeah, he's the Colonel.
2: Oh, and and also um, the um, the one Philadelphia. He was also in
4: Philadelphia. Oh, that's, right. Yes, that's right. yes, he was. Yes, he was. And yeah. but and he's the Hangman in Blazing Saddles. Oh, Let's not yes, forget that's that. right. Like a Boris Karloff <laughs> doing Karloff. Yeah.
1: And and they say like the way he winds up in Boogie Nights as a, an arrested child molester, yeah. and in in prison. And somebody said, <laughs> the way uh, Robert was in real life. Oh my God! That is the way he would have wound. Up. Well, uh,
2: yes, and I can tell you, I you mentioned Gary Owens, who was just one of the most delightful people I'd ever met in my life. He was just a kind very uh, genteel, uh, sophisticated, with incredible stories. And I recall the first time I had the pleasure of working with Bob Ridgely, we, it was myself and Joni Gerber and a couple of others and, and Bob, and we were doing a session and for, uh, I don't even know what it was, but the the people who came down to do the session were from San Francisco and there are three or four of them in suits on the other side of the glass. So we get done and Ridgely, I'm maybe 25, and Ridgely looks at these folks on the other side of the glass and he says, uh, Thank you so much, folks, for the job. We're all very grateful. Uh, I wish I could stay and sodomize each one of you, but um, <laughs> my, uh, I unfortunately am on my way to another job. But my young friend Rob here will be happy to oblige. And, of course, I, I'm like, wow, I, I don't even know what to say to this. And a week later, I walked into our agent's office, and Gary was a member at the same uh, agency, an actor there, too. And I walked in, and here are Gary Owens and Bob Ridgely chatting. And I walked in the door, and it wasn't five seconds. Ridgely stands up, and at the top of this big, booming voice says, Gary, Gary, this is the young lad I was telling you about. This is Rob Paulson. Rob is hung better than any non-third-worlder you'll ever meet.
4: (laughs) So he was a bad boy like Pat McCormick.
2: Oh, my, all the time. Well, in fact, I remember Pat... We used to all go to a place called the Voicecaster out here on Burbank Boulevard, and it was just incredible. You'd walk in, and it would be uh, Ronnie Shell and Pat McCormick yep. and Hamilton Camp and Bob Ridgely and uh, Kenny Mars, and on and on and on. And I remember asking Pat McCormick because I'd heard these rumors about you know the the, um, the Johnny Carson Karnak answers, you know. Oh yeah. And I said, I said, can you verify and and. Because I've heard this story, and it turns out uh, he said he said the the one Karnak response that Mister McCormick said that he wrote that he wish could have made it past the censors was was John uh, Karnak holds the envelope to his head and he says Cock Robin, and I said okay, and he said and it, and then he opens the envelope and the question is What's that in my mouth, Batman?
3: <laughs> Isn't that great?
4: He was a genius.
2: It's just crazy. And then one day, Johnny Hamer was there. And Johnny Hamer was that guy. I know Johnny and Hamer. He was Sergeant Zale you know on right. the MASH. He, that's right. He yeah. did. And and remember in... Um, Annie Hall. Uh, Annie Hall. That's right. So he's the comic
4: in Annie Hall. He says, the, you folks look oh, wonderful from right. here. Right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, had
2: seen, uh, I had seen... I had seen... And what's what I love about performers? I love this about actors. Here's the guy. Mr. Hamer was probably in his 70s at the time. And I walked in and I... Saw him and I, you know, walked over and said, Mr. Hamer, I'm such a fan. And I literally had seen Annie Hall on cable the night before. And I I am such a fan. I've always enjoyed your work. I just saw Annie, and before I got Hall out of my mouth, he he stands up and he goes, Hey, the room looks wonderful from here. He the and <laughs> the great.
4: crowd looks wonderful. <laughs> it was just uh, That's his version did, of my way. That's his right. that he takes requests. That is totally yeah. his
2: Vibe and right. and he was not going to miss an opportunity to entertain one person and I just it was beautiful it was beautiful.
4: Don't go away. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Wait, Gilbert Gottfried's amazing what? Colossal podcast, like the Amazing Colossal Man.
7: Okay. Men. okay. This is Richard Lewis, and you're listening to the Gilbert Gottfried Amazing Colossal Podcast. (laughs) Now back
3: to
6: Gilbert and Frank. It's them that you soon will thank.
1: Here's someone I want to find out about. Uh, with Mel Blank, it looked like he was trying to teach his son right. to take over the family business. What was his Noel. name? Noel, Noel Blank. Noel, Noel. Right. Noel yeah. Blank. Yeah. And so, whatever became of Noel Blank?
2: Uh, honestly, Gilbert, I don't know. I believe I met Noel once or twice many years ago. Uh, and I don't know the extent to which Noel actually ended up doing stuff for Warner Brothers as as his dad's characters. I, I do know that uh, I got a chance to work with uh, Mel Blanc twice before he died. But since then, it's taken, oh, my goodness, probably six people to do what he did. Billy was uh, Bugs in Space Jam. Right. And I think still does some um, some bug stuff. Uh uh, there's a guy named um, Jeff, Berman. Jeff, Ber- yeah, Bergman. Jeff Bergman. Bergman. Jeff, yeah, Bergman. Jeff Bergman. Jeff Bergman. Who was does Joe
4: of- doing Tweety and uh, no,
2: Joe. Joe passed away last yeah, year.
4: Know. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. But he
2: was. He was doing Tweety and ba- he was back doing. Then, I mean. uh, oh, yeah. I think he did Tweety and Space Jam. But yeah, it I worked took, with like Joe. Ha- yeah, and uh, me too. Just a gob of stuff. Good guy. Very good guy, and and really, really talented, and a real uh, technician. I mean, he really studied uh, what made those characters pop. But I recall working with. Um, Uh, But honestly, Gilbert, I don't know how much Noel did a bunch of work. I never worked with him a lot when I was doing uh, shows on which those
1: classic characters appeared. It was always like Joe Alasky or Bergman or somebody like that. I mean, I saw (laughs) his name in the credits of a family guy. Okay. Because this was one where they're watching a Warner Brothers cartoon where Elmer Fudd kills Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Great. And he does the voice of both yeah. of them. Well, he probably did. And I, and I know
2: that he was, I've seen him on TV years ago doing some of those characters. So he could clearly do them. I, I just don't know how much Warner Brothers ended up using him. But I do remember working with Mr. Blank on a, a Jetsons project uh, years, probably, gosh, 25, 30 years ago in Hanna-Barbera and the, the director in those days was a wonderful fellow named um, Gordon Hunt, who was Helen Hunt's oh, father. Sure. Oh, sure. We just lost him. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. last year. Yeah. And uh, he gave me my shot. And I remember him saying, hey, Robbie, um, Mel Blank is here today. You want to sit next to him? I said, of course. You know, and I I remember, uh, <laughs> great. Here's a guy with oxygen. He was about 80 at the time. Then he'd step out in the parking lot, fire up a cigarette, and come <laughs> back in and plug up the oxygen. You know. And I, I mustered up the courage to say, Mr. Blank, I, you like everybody. I'm such a fan if it's not too much trouble and before I could even ask he just looked at me and said eh, what's up doc and it was
4: <laughs> oh man oh, you're getting man. All this that's great just
2: incredible so now I, I and I, I don't mean to say that I'm in that league what I mean to say is I now understand if people find a particular character on which I, I've had the good fortune of working sure and they, they hear that voice I get that
1: feeling because it, it's incredible to, to see that and I heard like I mean Mel Blanc got into a horrible car accident car accident yeah, yeah. And and uh, one of the heads of Warner Brothers called this voiceover guy, and they said, you know, we need to make some more Bugs Bunny cartoons. Can you do uh, Bugs Bunny's voice? And I forget who it was, but he said, I I can do Bugs Bunny's voice, but I'm not going to because yeah, that smells. Yeah. Yeah, and, and
2: there really is a, a pretty deep respect uh, – I recall when they were, uh, one of the first times, they have done it uh, several, when they were trying to recast The Simpsons, and it was all about money. It was all about mm-hmm. the cast going, and they deserve the money. Those guys put Fox
4: on the map. No, and they're brilliant, and every one of they're
2: them. They're absolutely, the writers and and all of that. they're all wonderful. And I recall when uh, the word got around town that, uh, you know, they're looking for a new this, a new that, and, and uh, of course, the first thing I and all my friends would do is get a hold of the people whom we know, I called Nancy Cartwright or Dan Castellaneta, who's Homer, and i said say, what's going on? Well, you know, it's a little it's a money thing. And, of course, I said, not going to touch it. There's no way that I would try. Even if I could do the job as well as those people, I would never undercut one of my uh, fellow actors because they deserve every damn dime that they get.
1: And, and it's Dan, hard Dan to get Castellaneta, who's the voice of Homer Simpson, yeah. when Robin Williams wasn't doing the genie anymore, genie, right. he started doing the genie. Right, and I worked with – I did a number of episodes of
2: uh, of uh, that animated show for TV, uh, and I did the same thing. I was the voice of Jim Carrey in the animated Mask uh, oh, series. Oh, yeah. Um, but that was – you know, that's a totally different animal because there's no way that A, Robin or Jim has the time to do it. And even if they did, it's going to cost the production company a fortune. So they hire – you know, Dan Castellaneta is certainly not a B-team actor. And, no, he's and great. And he's got – Incredible chops. He's got incredible uh, improvisational skills. And
1: I was fortunate enough to be Jim Carrey for a whole lot less money. Um, and, and, oh, but it's there a was game. another story when Mel Blank, after the car accident, was in a coma. I love this story. Uh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. And he, he kept, the doctor kept saying, you know, Mr. Blank, can you speak to us, Mr. Blank? And then finally the doctor goes, um, I'd like to speak to Bugs Bunny, please. <laughs> right? Yeah, and he immediately going. Eh, that's
2: See, a
4: great story.
2: I love, and I, I think it, it it that's a to me not only really an entertaining and interesting, but when you think about it, it's a very uh, endearing story. Um, how deeply he was uh, connected to those characters. And you know, as they say, the proof is in the pudding. Mel's been gone for, I don't know twenty, twenty five years now. But the characters that he had a hand in creating are utterly timeless. yeah. and I, I, when you're when you put your soul into something that deeply that people who haven't been born till fifty years after these characters have have, you know, been performed, are love them as much today as they did then.
4: Well, and he deserves and, as much credit as, as uh, uh, Chuck Jones or any of them sure. because he, as, he, you know, he breathed life into them. He inhabited them.
2: Right. And they are completely timeless. And he did the whole shooting match. And I'll tell you, what's really interesting for those of you out there who have a uh, serious satellite radio that on the entertainment uh, category, there's a radio classics uh, uh, show, a radio classics channel and they play all of these old shows, radio shows from the '30s to the early '50s, uh, and it's and you hear Mel all the time. Mel, June Foray, uh, um, Dawes Butler, who yeah, was Captain Crunch, sure Yogi Bear, and all those guys, and they all show up in these radio shows. And especially, obviously, as you know, Mel was involved with Jack Benny for a, a lot. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But God, what a gift!
1: Incredible talent. But well, tell, and tell us, you, a- and, and I heard Mel Blank— just the kind of person he was, he would just unannounced, show up mm-hmm. at children's hospitals. Sure did, Gilbert. And start oh. doing cartoon voices for the I kids. I didn't know that. That's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. And and uh,
2: that, I have to say, is um, the opportunities that I've had as a result of the work that I've done, boy, I'm so glad you brought that up, because um, uh, when you're fortunate enough to have been done something that, that has gotten a relative... Uh, um, You know, large amount of publicity Uh, that has turned out to be the um, the the sort of creme de la creme of my uh, work because, and again, it's not just me. We all, when we're asked, Tom Kenny, who's SpongeBob, my God, all the time. But when you get a phone call and some, you know, mom or dad says uh, through some child life specialist at the hospital. We got a little fella here, a little girl who's just so into uh, Ninja Turtles or this little boy can't get enough of Pinky in the Brain because he watches it now on Netflix. And uh, is it possible? Of course it's possible. You call him up. And I'm telling you, man, they buy it hook, line, That's and sinker. And it's just amazing. And what is even more interesting, it started for me with Ninja Turtles because it was so big at the beginning and I called a lot of kids. We all did. But often the, the parents of these children in these despicable circumstances keep in touch with me long after their children pass away and and you really really get to see it's not about money it's not about ratings it's not about action figures it is about a deep connection that this family has with this character because of the joy that it gave you know the child so Mel was the guy that started the ball rolling, and man, you, it's incalculable what it means to these families, and and so it puts your own
1: problems in perspective, you know. To be nice sure, to I, hear. I mean, one to thing gasp. that I was indirectly involved in, uh, there was a documentary made called Life Animated. Oh, it, sure, yeah, it was about a, a an autistic boy who watched right. Disney animated films, mm-hmm. and the way his father first started communicating with him. Was by imitating me and a lad, God. God Gilbert, and and, that, I, and it was one of those that g- gives you a chill You don't body. even it, it is. It's really. I'm so glad
2: you said that. It gave me a chill just now. It's it to hear that.
4: You should see the film, it, Rob. You'll love it.
2: Oh, I I've, I've been hearing so much about it, and uh, I'm. That's great because there. Look, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. I love to make a lot of money. All of that, but man. When you have something that is that precious to someone who would other, otherwise live a very difficult existence, and, and, and even the parents, you look at the parents, and Gilbert, if you could get a chance to talk to the parent of this young man you were just referring to, in the, 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 his father would, would weep because of what you did that ultimately, even vicariously, affected his boy in that respo- in that respect. He can't put a price on that, man. It's amazing. And so, to be able to 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 do that and have that in your back pocket when called upon is just a, 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 an incalculable gift. And good for you, buddy. I'm so glad you told me that. I love. I'm gonna go watch the
4: movie. Yeah, right you'll away. like yeah. it. It's it's very it's very cool. touching. Life anime. Owens is Owens yeah. a sweet kid. And since you bring up Pinky and the Brain, let's yeah. a, let's ask about Animaniacs. And you you said that Animaniacs changed your life. Boy, that's for sure.
2: Well, if Ninja Turtles changed my career, then Animaniacs changed my life because anytime you get to work with Steven Spielberg on anything. Oh my God. Uh, you know, it was such a, a, I had already worked with them. Actually, I worked with them on E.T. I did a bunch of uh, background voice character things on E.T. And I remember at the time, the creature was blacked out on the screen and the movie, um, the production name of the movie was A Boy's Life. Yeah, that's right. And I went in for about four days and did a bunch of stuff and, and, uh, and then a few years later, I worked with him on Tiny Tune Adventures, which was in the late 80s. And then um, about 91, we all heard, you know, that there was this big, um, m- not music-based, but in which music was a very integral part. And I'd, I'd grown up primarily as a singer who'd become an actor. And that was one of the, you know, you hear that, that phrase about uh, luck is when um, uh, preparation meets opportunity. Right. Uh, it really is true, and I had—that was one of those epiphanal moments where I, I said, you know what? If they don't hire me for this, they're making a mistake. And it was utterly not out of arrogance. It was because I knew I was ready to rock and roll. And um, boy, what a thrill because uh, obviously when Mr. Spielberg's involved, everything is the best of the best. Yeah. Uh, and and it was done exactly the way—as a result of Steven's love of Warner Brothers' classic animation. Yeah, it, was it showed done, through. Yep, and it was done exactly the same. We even used the same piano and the same scoring stage as Carl Stalling used on all the Warner Brothers stuff. So 40 pieces for every half hour. That show cost a half a million bucks an, op- an episode in those days, it, and it was, it was special, really something.
0: Everybody lives on a street in a city or a village or a town for what it's worth. And they're all inside a country which is part of a continent that sits upon a planet known as Earth. And the Earth is a ball full of oceans and some mountains which is out there spinning silently in space. And living on that Earth are the plants and the animals and also the entire human race. It's a great big universe and we're all really puny. We're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney. It's big and black and icky and we are small and dinky. It's a big universe and we're not...
1: Now, a few years ago, you went for a a yearly checkup, mm. and and what happened there? Well, this was almost two years ago. I, I, like most guys,
2: unless you're unless you have a limb hanging, you know, by a thread, you don't go to a doctor. And so, I uh, I have a yearly checkup, and I've been healthy as a horse my whole life. I played, grew up in Michigan, played hockey, and still gotten banging around with my buddies and. Um, pretty athletic my whole life. Anyway, I uh, I had this lump in the left side of my neck, which didn't bother me, didn't affect my work. I thought, well, I don't know, maybe it's just some low-grade infection. Anyway, uh, February of 2016, about a year, a little over a year and a half ago, I went in for my yearly physical and I said, what do you think about this? And the doctor, five seconds, you guys. He says, not good. And I'd, I've had this doctor a long time and I thought he was just screwing with me. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, no, I'm serious. I want you to get this checked out. And it turned out to be um, the official title was Stage 3 Squamous Cell Carcinoma with Occult Primary. And what that means is the uh, it was Stage 3 because the primary tumor, which they ultimately found, was at the base of my tongue in my throat and had spread to a lymph node. Um, uh, so, you know, it was a bit of a left-hand um, uh, getting sort of bitch slapped. You know, it's like you say um, – we all make plans and God laughs, you know? Um, but I, I, have to tell you, and, and I'm saying this not because not to be maudlin, but it goes back to what we were just talking about a bit ago is I've had these really great teachers, you guys, and, and many of them have been children and other people, autistic folks whose struggles are daily and often lifetime. So I get diagnosed at 60 years old. You know, I wasn't a 30 year old with a couple of kids. I wasn't at the beginning of my career even if they had said, you better go home and get your stuff together because you're, you're on your way out. I've had an amazing run. But along the way, I've had the incredible good fortune of meeting all these children or autistic people and their parents uh, who get through things that I've never and will never have to deal with. So the perspective was pretty clear. And they told me right away, look, you're going to die someday, but not from this. However – the treatment's going to kick your ass, and it did. I lost fifty pounds, and you know you couldn't eat and all that stuff. But it was no surgery; it was a couple of months of radiation and chemo. And I'll be goddamned—they saved my throat. It was—it was a remarkable experience, and so that's great. Uh, thank you. And the, but How the do you silver lining—I feel pretty good. I, good. I still have issues with um, endurance sometimes because mm-hmm. the radiation kind of beat you up. But they told me it'd be another year from now. Until I was, uh, you know, completely um, back to my old self. But um, it's, uh, you know, the silver lining in anything, any of us who uh, – I didn't tell a lot of people. I told only the people that needed to know because everybody's got their shit, you guys. Everybody's got something to deal with. And I didn't need sympathy. I didn't want it. Um, there's a practical aspect of it. I, As much as I would like to think that, you know, showbiz will wait for me, I'm. we're all completely – you know, we're all completely expendable in, in that regard. So I didn't want to give people a reason not to hire me once I got back on my feet. So I kept everything to myself. Um, but now I'm in a great position because I have a sense of empathy that I never would have had had I not gone through this. So when somebody and, – and this goes for you guys too. If you ever run into anybody at your studio or you come across anybody that's struggling with throat cancer, hit me up because I can give them chapter and verse about what's going to happen and that it's that you can get through the other side of it. Uh, And to the extent that I can be of help, um, you know, you guys are kind enough to have me on your show. Uh, If I've cultivated any celebrity, you never know when that is going to help somebody.
4: That's nice of you. We'll keep that in mind for sure. It's my
1: it's my pleasure. You said like the doctors weren't sure. and One doctor said, well, we can wait a little while before (laughs) putting you in treatment because, you know, you're a voiceover guy, for God's sakes. Right. Well, he, yeah, he said, you know, this is a relatively
2: slow-moving cancer. It, it'll it be fatal to be sure, but it is relatively slow-moving. It's not like pancreatic cancer, which unfortunately took Richard Stone. Um, but I said, and I read about the treatment, uh, and it's, it is quite onerous. Um, and I went back to my doctor and I said, so when you say slow-moving, you know, what does that mean? Can you guys just give me palliative care and keep me comfortable and I can work until I'm 85 and then – I punched my ticket and I said, no, 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 When we say slow, we mean that two years from now you're going to be miserable and four years you'll be dead. And if we wait for a couple of years and we have to start cutting on you, then, you know, you're going to look like Roger Ebert. And uh, that was – I was a big fan of Mr. Ebert's and Mr. Siskel's. And I remember thinking, my God, that is probably the most courageous man I've ever seen in my life who's willing to go out and, you know, put himself out there and all oh, that. Yeah. But it was brutal to see how, I mean, half Half his face was gone. He couldn't speak. He couldn't swallow. And so I said, well, then you guys better pull the trigger because there's no way I'm going out like that.
1: And 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 I um, think an interviewer said to Roger Ebert, he said, so what was the last words you spoke? Mm. And he said that when he was going in for the operation, he had no idea those would be his last oh. words so he yeah. didn't remember.
4: Yeah.
2: Jesus Christ. I mean, can you imagine? I I, I cannot. No. And 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 it's we know that virtually everybody is touched by cancer and or something else. Um but I you know, all of us living today are the beneficiaries of incredible work, incredible skill, incredible bravery. I remember having a a minor breakdown in my car one day when I had just gotten out of radiation for that particular day. And I, I, uh, I thought, you know, it it really hit me that for the doctors uh, with whom I was uh, fortunate enough to be working, came to me and said, okay, we can handle this. Do what we tell you, you're going to be fine. You're not going to like this. You're not going to like that. You're not going to like that, but the rest of it, blah, 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 blah. But to get to that point, there had to be not only a lot of doctors figuring shit out, but there had to be Hundreds of thousands of people brave enough to try what the doctors say we're not sure, but it's our best shot, and and the treatment might have killed them. But here I am, and all I had to worry about was getting through it. How lucky am I? You're and a so lucky I, man. I, I am. I'm. I. I am very fortunate, and it's. Uh, but anyway, that's what I'm saying is, is if you just never know when you might run into somebody. Who says? Oh my God! I've just been diagnosed with this and blah blah blah. So, said, "Well, I got a guy you can talk to, we'll and keep, we'll keep that in mind." Helpful. Rob, that's that's Please generous do. of you. That's generous. my pleasure. You,
4: Absolutely. You, you guys feel like changing it up here a little bit okay. and doing something sure. completely Sure, whatever silly? you want. Yeah, man. You got the, whatever you, you need. got. That odd couple, uh, pa- pa- the page I said. I sent do, you. And
6: that's the one you wanted me to do is George Decay. <laughs> is that correct?
4: <laughs> now, Rob, Rob does a great George Decay. Oh my! Gil, and I was reading this, and I thought you could throw in some. You could do uh, Jackie Mason. Oh, okay. <laughs> what do you Beautiful. Think?
1: So I'll be, be I Oscar? You'll Oscar. Okay.
4: He's Felix. This is from the original Odd Couple movie, and we're going to We have two great uh, uh, mimics here, and okay. we're going to try something silly. Let's
6: shoot this pig. Okay. Can't okay. you keep it warm? Who the hell do you think I am? The magic chef? I'm lucky I got it to come out at 8 o'clock. W- what am I going to do? I don't know. Keep pouring gravy on it. Oh, my. For gravy. What gravy? Don't you have any gravy? Now, where the hell am I going to get gravy at 8 (laughs) o'clock? I don't know. I thought it comes when you cook the meat. (laughs) I'll show you some cooked meat. Oh, wait a minute. That's not even in the script. You don't know what... you, You don't know what you're talking about, Oscar. You just don't know because... You have to make gravy. It doesn't just come. Well, yes, my advice. Your advice? Look at me. You didn't even know where the kitchen was until I came here and showed it to you. Listen, buddy. If you're gonna argue with me, then put down that spoon. Spoon? It is to laugh, you dumb ignoramus. That is a ladle. You did not know that that's a ladle. Get a hold of yourself, will you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, you, you're you so adorable. You think it's easy, don't you? Well, go ahead. Kitchen's all yours, hotshot. You make a meatloaf for four people who come a half hour late. Go on, I'm watching. I can't believe I'm arguing with him over gravy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my. They're here. The dinner guests. I'll get a saw and cut the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Bizarro no fun.
4: Frank, that was a great idea I love doing stuff like this You haven't done Jackie Mason in a long time Oh, that's right yeah. Gilbert, that was excellent Oh, yeah.
2: thank you And that I love Rob's great.
4: George my
2: I don't, I remember Oh, I got a great quick George Decay star I was working uh, We
4: had him on here, he's the best Isn't he great? We love and, him
2: I met him again at Hanna Barbera years and years ago. Doing a, I was a Haji on Johnny Quest for the second uh, mid eighties iteration of that show, and um, he was he was on the show. And I I remember saying uh, I, for some reason I didn't know that it was Takay. I thought it was Takai. I, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know. So I said, Mister Takai, I am such a fan. <laughs> Thank you so much. May I, you know? And I shook his hand. He he said, Thank you, young man. What is your name? And I said, it's uh it's Rob. Rob Paulson. Said, Thank you, Rob. First of all, it's tk <laughs> And so the guy just <laughs> He just shut me down. And I and of course, me being the smart ass, you know, Detroit native I am, I said, Oh, you mean like DK, like your career? But I didn't
6: <laughs> I didn't do
2: that. And I gotta say, the, the thing that's so impressive about Mr. tk and, and Bill Shatner is don't you love the fact that those guys completely embraced sort of the caricatures of themselves. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yes. yes. Yes, absolutely. Careers that have lasted another 30 years because they got it. And they didn't just say, well, I'm a,
6: you know, this is what I, they, Bill does the price line and George Takei is who he is, and very proud, and all of that. It's just fantastic <laughs> that they that they
2: move forward, man. It's yeah, great,
4: great talents. Here's a pinky yeah. in the brain question. How did and Gilbert knows this? Of course, they did a pinky in the brain episode. Oh yes, based on the Orson Welles, oh, the infamous man. Orson Welles recording called Yes Always, which I watched Isn't again with great? my wife last night, and it's absolutely wonderful.
3: Thank you. And you
4: and Maurice are just. First of all, you guys are brilliant talents. I saw you doing Pulp Fiction in a—, in a... Wasn't that great?
2: Well, he, <laughs> Maurice gonna... came up with the idea years ago. We've done it a couple times live. We've done Who's on First as Pinky in the Brain, ah, too. Love to see that it's, sometime. It's really good. Well, Mo, as you know, is just such a gifted talent. I mean, the guy, he, you know, he, irrespective of that wonderful Pinky in the Brain work, he won back-to-back primetime Emmys for his work on Futurama. Yes, he's a, yes. He's an incredibly gifted fellow.
4: Um, is that and, voice Orson Welles? Eighty percent Orson Welles and twenty percent Vincent Price, because that's you what know, I heard he, him say.
2: That's yeah, he does say that because yeah. he he has that that little s that kind of is a Vincent Price um, tweak. But man, Mo, it was so wonderful because Mo for every show, and not just pinking the brain. I've worked with Maurice for twenty five years and, and and many many things.
4: And um, the critic, I remember would, him on too.
2: Right, the critic, and, yeah. and he would do uh, yeah. John Lovitz. Exactly, yes. sounds just like John. Um, and I remember that every time that Maurice would do his mic check, he would go into that, we know remote farm in Lincolnshire. We're missing <laughs> pilots, you know, oh. every July, And of course, now, I can't do it.
7: it. It's
1: perfect. Oh, it's great. Can we hear some of Pinky?
7: Of course you can. As a matter of fact, Gilbert, I would like you to ask me the following. Could you please say to me, Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? <laughs> Pinky, are you
1: pondering what I'm pondering?
7: Well, I think so, Gilbert, but if N B Davis and Susan B. Anthony, who be Arthur? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. If only you did Orson Welles. The clo- I, was, uh, I was thinking, well, we uh, could have Rob do uh, Pinky, but the closest I could get for you was James Mason. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, see, that's a good one, too, And and Maurice did a James Mason. We did a show together called Cat Scratch, which was- Oh, sure, I remember. Uh, Maurice LaMarche, myself, Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall, and Wayne Knight. And um, mm-hmm. just an a- absolute blast. But all of those non-sequiturial responses of, you know, are you pondering when I'm pondering, are just such a gas. And that's another one of those things that y- y- when we do a live thing, or a, a, I was just in Atlanta last weekend for Dragon Con, you know, another big convention. It's just so, so incredibly beautiful. You could have a couple thousand people. And somebody will ask that question. I
7: think so. I think so, Bob. But if Jimmy cracks cone and nobody cares, why does he keep doing it? Oh, my God. <laughs> they just explode. And it's such a blast.
2: Yep. I'm telling you, if Maurice is really, really a supremely gifted guy. So that particular episode came as a result of the producers knowing how that Mo knew that whole outtake thing uh, verbatim. and Un- Unrewarding. Yes, unrewarded. <laughs> oh, yes. This is a load of yes. shit.
6: Yeah, show
2: me
1: how you can pronounce "in July" and uh, with, uh, and
5: I'll, says, I'll, I'll, I'll go, go down, down on you. On you.
6: So, yeah. yeah. Now but, was
1: it Maurice or on on the uh, cartoon that I popped up on a bunch of times, a uh, Duckman? Yeah. Oh, that was um, um, God, uh,
2: Jason Alexander, I think. Yeah, was on but who was yeah. the
1: voice that was supposed to be Jack Webb? I don't know. Oh, we'll have to, look that, it yeah, might have be to look that up. Yeah, have to look that up. It could be because
2: Mo does. He is an impressionist. He's a yeah, wonderful actor. Yeah. But Mo started as an impressionist, and he used to be on the Rodney Dangerfield. He opened. He and um, Sam Kinnison used to open for Rodney. And His Shatner's uh, in fact, terrific.
1: oh my God, he it's it's perfect. And because yeah. someone did Jack Webb, and it was an excellent Jack right, Webb. Dead we'll on. Look it, up. it could have been Mo, but
2: um the 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 genesis of this particular episode that you were discussing um, that you saw was yeah wife, yes Frank, always. Yeah, and and um it if, was really kind of a sweet thing the way it happened. The producers and we were all told when we got to work don't say anything to Maurice. Just let Mo start to do his mic check. They did not send him the script in advance on purpose. So it was a really kind of a gift to Maurice um because of all, you know, they they knew how good he would be at this, but it was pretty much a verbatim script of that outtake. But interestingly, Maurice was very sad because he had just come from Sam Kinnison's funeral. Oh, and so he went to work, and he was kind of not in particularly good spirits. But it was so sweet because when he started reading the script, he almost got tearful because he said, "Oh my God, this is like a five hundred thousand dollar in joke. You you guys are making <laughs> yes. we're making an episode based on that whole outtake of Orson doing the frozen peas commercial." And i got to tell you, man, it translated to the screen pretty well. I think oh, they did a good planned.
4: job.
5: We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, peas grow there. Do you really mean that?
0: Uh, Yeah, but if you could start a half second later.
5: Don't you think you really want to say July over the snow? Isn't that the fun of it? I think it's so nice that you see a snow-covered field and say every July peas grow there. Um. We're talking about them growing and she's picked them.
0: Well, we want to be out of that snowy field.
5: But I was out. We were on to a can of peas, a big dish of peas when I said in July. Oh, sorry. Yes, always. I'm always past that.
0: You are? Yes. Um, can you emphasize a bit in, in July?
5: Why, that doesn't make any sense. Sorry, there's no known way of saying an English sentence in which you begin a sentence within and emphasize it. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll... Make cheese for you.
4: For our listeners that don't know it, and I think listeners of this show do know it pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yeah. should. And if they don't, uh, find both the Orson Welles frozen peas outtakes, but also the wonderful... Uh, and now that I'm thinking of it, I remember Maurice doing Orson Welles on The Critic.
1: Okay, well, yes, more yes than, he did. More
4: than once. But, but more than once. But find yes always, the pinky and the brain episode. And, and there was... It's um, wonderful.
1: What's the French wine. Oh yeah, the, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, the Paul it's- yes. so, you know it, oh, it, the French.
2: It, wine. Yeah, the, one oh. was, the
4: one where he was bombed. <laughs> Absolutely
2: <laughs> freaking hammered, and and it's on the one hand it's heartbreaking because you're going, oh my god, this is the great Orson Welles. Yeah. You know, four hundred pounds tanked. But the thing that's <laughs> so funny to watch is you got these sweet young actors there with him. You know, the kids in the in the show with him. I know. And you can hear the you hear the director off the screen going, ready and. Action awesome. And nothing happens because he's supposed to start. And so you got these kids waiting for him to deliver their line. And he looks at the camera, isn't, isn't he, isn't he supposed to say something? And it's just beautiful. If it weren't so sad, it would be the most wonderful thing I've ever seen in my life. And they and like you say, they ultimately get to a take where he starts and he goes, it's supposed to be, ah, the French Champagne, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but he's so gassed that he goes, "Ah, French,
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: priceless." We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this.
4: I want to give a shout out too to our mutual friend Tom Minton.
1: Oh who,
2: my God! Who is the oh, model
4: so for the brain? The
2: brain.
4: Yes, and Thank a man, a man who hired me when I was living in Los Angeles and looking for work, and and gave me Aww. some Sylvester and Tweety mystery episodes to write. And he was kind enough to invite me to a scoring session, so I got is, to isn't to, that to the come down thing? And Do the whole thing, the Carl Stallings thing, and it was Aww. just it was just an absolute treat, and uh,
2: it's it's really marvelous. And um and Tom is a great guy, and he's you know a genius, I he really is. And I got to say, and Tom, if you're listening, you know I mean this because I love you. But I swear to God, if you see the brain and then you meet Tom, you
1: say, you say oh, my God,
6: that's, that's the brain. Absolutely. That's him.
1: And and, and
2: the
6: since, best
1: since God knows if we'll ever work together when we're working together, can I hear your uh, Teenage Ninja Turtles voice? Well, I've got, yeah, I was... Uh, uh, Only if you do Krang, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's a tough one. Well, I it is repair. <laughs> uh,
2: well, I'm down now, and it's pretty much my voice. I'm just a little bit uh, kind of nerdy because Donnie is the is the, the the guy that makes all the the machines. But hey, listen, I owe you a check, Gilbert, because I stole uh, a voice. I did a voice with a, a lot of your uh, a lot of your juice um, years ago on a show I did called Danny Phantom.
3: And, and I played a character called Technus. And I... <laughs> they called me and they said we can't afford Gilbert because he needs a fucking airstream in every show he does. <laughs> so we're going to use you. We're going to use the Gentile version in Los Angeles. But...
2: So I'll tell you what, buddy. It would be an absolute joy to work with you in uh, one of these days. And I, uh, Randy Rogel and I are doing our Animaniacs live music show at Joe's Pub in New York on um, on October eighth uh, at the end of New York Comic Con this year. So I, I'm, I'm getting coming... a ticket. Oh, thanks, I'm man! It's going to be. Guys, you're if, both if brilliant. If you guys, if you guys like that music, it's just going to be Randy and me and a piano, and two hours worth of the of the most clever. Wonderful music you've ever heard. It's fantastic.
1: Oh, and can we hear your mask voice? Yeah, that's, well, of course, my, um,
2: depending upon what happens, like if I put on a, you know, my,
6: my, the mask turns into a pirate, I
2: start speaking like this, and, and if it's a cowboy, it's like this, and it's smoking and all that. <laughs> but uh, that was a cool gig because Tim Curry was on that show. Oh, wow. Um, what a what a remarkable talent! Tim's you know ha- struggling. He had a stroke a couple years ago. Yeah, we heard. Boy oh boy oh
6: boy
4: oh what boy. a talent I,
2: though! Oh Jesus, I, it, remarkable! Then we did another show together called Mighty Max, in which I played this little kid who was uh, taken over, uh, who has got had these time portals, and the uh, the the my you know the people that worked with me, the creatures that worked with me were um, Tony Jay, the great Tony Jay who passed away, and Tony was the voice of. Uh, uh, just an incredible voice. Uh Frollo on uh, or Frodo. Frollo or Frodo on the hunchback
1: uh
2: feature. And then and and uh Richard Mall, who's the big guy from Oh Court. yeah. Gilbert yeah. you did oh, Nightcourt. Then, yes, yes, yes. Another funny yeah. guy. And then uh Tim Curry was this character called Skullmaster, who was the bad guy. And we did, I think, about, I don't know, forty episodes. But working with a guy like Tim, it just you really do get to see why those guys become—they're they're special. You know, you really get to see why somebody like that becomes who he is. Uh, it just the nuances and all the little things they do that make a character live, it's, it's a remarkable thing to watch.
4: Well, speaking of, of talented Brits, you worked with Roddy McDowell oh, quite a bit. I,
2: see, I, I, honest to we God— We played Snowball the Hamster. Just, just isn't that great? And Pinky in the here, Brain, for anybody that's yeah, wondering. Yeah, we, we did about— Five or six with with Mr. McDowell, and we didn't know that he was struggling with terminal cancer at the time.
6: Mm
4: -hmm.
2: He came to work every time with a jacket and a tie. He was 15 minutes early. He answered every question, every stupid fanboy question I had about National Velvet or Elizabeth Taylor or Planet of the Apes or Night Gallery. He could not have been more delightful more. Uh, That's what down we hear. A
4: guy who loved to meet just his fans and loved to talk about his sw- career.
2: Oh my God, Frank! Utterly sweet. One of those things where you call your parents and you say you're not going to believe what I just did. And same with Carl Reiner. Carl hired me. T- <laughs> he hired me to be a Filipino ventriloquist. Was this was this <laughs> on the Alan <laughs> Brady show? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a it was a pilot for Nickelodeon. Yeah, I
4: was going to ask you about so, that when Rosemary oh, was Jesus. on it
2: too. Oh. I walked into the, uh, oh my God, I get so excited just thinking about it. I walked in <laughs> to the script read of the day of the record. And I thought, hell, if I never get the job, I got to audition for, uh, you know, for for Carl Reiner. Yeah. So I get the job. I walk in to read at Nickelodeon and Burbank. I turn the corner. Uh, Rob, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Well, thank you, sir. I'd like you to meet Dick Van Dyke. I'd like you to meet Rosemary. Uh. And I thought, I, I, honest to God, Gilbert, I I really did. It was one of those where I had it I had it kind of, you know, calm myself down because it 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 was a little overwhelming, you know, to be sitting in there with those people who had such a, an amazing effect on millions of people, and do to this day. And that was again one of those where I got in my car and I called my parents and I said, "You are you you're, you're going to lose your minds when you hear I got to spend the last four hours with Dick Van Dyke, Rosemary, and Carl Reiner," and it was. You can't, I mean, I just don't get nowhere. Yeah. That's why
4: we do this show. It's really just to meet our heroes. Well, and
2: and can, I, can I say, I mentioned this to Frank yesterday, Gilbert, mm-hmm. and, and and what you guys are doing is so, so great and so important. I've been a fan of of, of you know yours, but in, in particular the show, because the fact that you talk to Ronnie Schell and you bring these guys in and you talk about Bob Ridgely and Hammy Camp and Bill Daly and oh, yeah. all these we incredible – yeah. And, and it, it, it really it really is important that people understand, in my view, uh, uh, it's not all about, you know, the, the stars, the movie stars. It's about these really incredibly wonderful journeymen, uh, men and women who have just been uh, kind of, in my view, the, the sort of um, um, the foundation of pop culture entertainment for the last 50 years. And well, we you think guys so. have, thank you. Well you but but you but it's true and you're paying such homage to them and and I love that you do that. But also the pr- as I said earlier, the proofs in the pudding because your show is doing great. And you know, uh, there's so many choices out there. And, and people, you know, um, how many podcasts are there? A, a billion? There are a lot. But you, yeah, but <laughs> you guys continue we, we to, rise had to at a real we high, high level. About, oh yeah. You know, oh, it's fantastic. See, it's
1: like, you know, growing up, you'd see shows like *Love Boat* and *Fantasy yeah. Island*, where they'd be these people that like you swore had been dead, yeah, for decades, and then you see them, and you go, "Wow, they're still oh, as my good God. as they ever were." It, well, yeah, well, we, like I
4: said to you on the phone, Rob, we like introducing like the Barbara Feldons and the Paul Williams uh, and the people like that to a new generation. Yeah, you know and, that's and, that's a and, high for us.
2: Well, and I remember working with Paul on a couple different things, and we did a series together. It was an interesting cast. It was uh, Paul Williams, Carrie Snodgrass, uh, Leah Remini, um, Mark Hamill, uh, myself, and Jeff Bennett. Really interesting show that never went anywhere, but it was a lot of fun. And I remember uh, Paul Williams, as you know, uh, having spent time with him, is a delightful man.
4: He is. He oh, truly he is. is. He and took us to lunch. I mean—
5: yeah. Uh, and he did
2: two things with me that I will never forget. And so now, now whenever, and uh, I feel like I've had the great good fortune of working with the most talented people, uh, arguably the most talented people in Hollywood, all of whom are utterly pretentiousless. so that when I run into somebody who kind of, you know, is full of themselves and starts to behave a certain way, I just don't have patience because Paul Williams is a prime example. The first time I met Paul, um, we were working on it wasn't this particular show I mentioned, but I was a singer first, and one and my son's favorite song as a child, and the song I would sing to him when he couldn't sleep was Rainbow Connection, uh-huh. which which he wrote with Kenny Asher, right? Sure. So I remember being with Mister with Paul, and I said, "Hey, got to tell you, a big fan, like everybody else. I mean, for you know the guy, he's been on your show, wrote a, a jillion hits, and I said I I told him how much uh, Rainbow Connection meant to my my son." And he looks at me and says, you want to sing it? And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, "There's a piano. So I looked at the engineer and I said, I don't even know what you – just push Just push record, whatever you got. I don't care. Just push it. So I got to sing Rainbow Connection with Paul Williams as a result of his kindness. Then a couple years ago, we're a couple years later, we're working on this show called Phantom 2040 that I just mentioned. And um, he came in. He was pretty late to work. And this is the kind of uh, self-effacing sense of humor he has, which is one of the reasons I, I love him. He comes in and he says, I'm so sorry, fellow thespians. Did I miss anything? And I said, well, gosh, Paul, from what I've read about your abuse history, you missed the 80s. (laughs) And and he did just that. He started laughing. He just jumped right in and played. No defense. No, you know, weirdness. Just a genuine He's he's got a great sense of humor about that. And and how about... Talk about giving it, paying it forward. That man is now really involved at helping people with their addiction issues.
4: He is. He really is. And, he just and, became a grandpa, by the way. Yep. I oh, want to good congratulate him. him. And, and that's Paul great.
1: Williams told a story that was hysterical that he was doing a TV show with Michael Caine. Oh, boy. And he went over to Michael Caine and said, I, I've always been such a fan of yours. It's an honor to meet you. And Michael Caine said to him, "Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> you stayed at my house for a
3: month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for great. a month. Oh my! Uh, God. Pretty good
2: cockney, what? Gil. Yeah, it's quite excellent. Oh my God! You know you're bad. really, you know you're really tanked." when you don't remember a guy's house whom you stayed with for a month. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's fantastic. Did you see that? Did he talk about that incredibly great documentary called I'm still we here? We yes. watched it. We yes. watched it. Oh, yeah. Still alive. That yeah. I'm still alive. Yeah. God was that great. We and watched it. It was, it, it was, uh, there was that one particular scene where he's in like Winnipeg and he's at like a dinner theater or something. And he comes out and, and, these sweet people are just going out of their minds, and, and you could—he seemed genuinely, and I believe that he was genuinely thrilled to be there. You know, he looks yeah. at the crowd, and he's putting his hand over his heart, saying, thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. It, it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm in Winnipeg. It was, I'm in Winnipeg, and tomorrow I'm going to be in Saskatoon, and I'm so glad I am. It was
4: just—what wow. a
2: guy. He's, he's yeah. incredible.
4: Yeah, he offered to sing at my wedding. I guess I, I, I should actually have a have a wedding.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: There
7: you I go. Just, my
4: <laughs> wife <laughs> and I went to the courthouse, and we never had a wedding. And I said, yeah. to Paul, will you sing? Uh, will you sing? Um, uh, what's the song? Won't last a day without you which i adore and he, he said absolutely so but I, I have to make that happen because how many opportunities do you are you get? kidding <laughs> me <laughs> for any, ah, anything Jesus, like yeah. that you, in life so you I gotta, gotta do that frank i know I'm, i gotta yeah. follow up on that hey we got a question from a guest for you uh, uh, from a fan rather for you uh, Rob. Sure. this is from big daddy we do a thing called grill the guest uh, uh i love 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 rob paulson but what are his memories of being in the movie stewardess school but I believe, I'm going to add this, Sherman Hemsley and Donnie Most? Yes, Donald Most. Donald Don Most. He referred to
2: himself as... Donald, and uh, well, I can tell you this: in the in people asked me if the character I played in that movie was gay, and I said, no, he wasn't gay; he was ecstatic. <laughs>
4: um, I've I, never uh, seen it. Have you uh, you've seen *Stuart's oh,
2: School*? God, please, no, don't No, 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 I no, no. Have no. To, it, honestly, it, to the extent you guys are enjoying my my uh, appearance, please don't see at School* because you'll Okay, you'll well, maybe you can away. bang
4: that one out fast. <laughs> well, thank you very much for *Big Daddy*. Um, you did like was, *Sherman uh, Hemsley*. I read.
2: Uh, and you know what? There's another guy. I, I have to say, Sherman was on the set. It was about a three-month shoot here in L.A. And uh, it was, a you know, a, a movie about a wacky uh, uh, airline and, and the hijinks ensued. Wendy Jo Sperber, rest her soul, she was in it. Um, funny lady. Uh, very funny lady. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Vito Scotti. Talk about a great oh, old God, Oh, God, we love oh, Vito, yes. Vito Scotti. Vito yes. Scotti was in it. <laughs> Um, and I, I remember that my mother, my sweet sainted mother, uh, was in town. This is when my son was coming along and she went down to the set with me for a few days and Mr. Hemsley, God bless him. He took it upon himself to get to meet my mother. So every day I would come into work on the set, Sherman would walk in and at the top of his my mother's name was Lee. He'd say, where's Lee
1: at? (laughs)
3: Hey, <laughs> ah,
2: ah, where's my girlfriend at? <laughs> and my mother never forgot that the fact that a TV star would go out of his way to make a fuss over this sweet little lady from you know Flint, Michigan, uh, was great. So yeah, it was cool, man. I got a parking space uh, for three months, and every check cleared.
1: <laughs> what and give up show business? It was great. <laughs> Not you know? much else. To- and and uh, you you mentioned them a few times in the interview. And it is funny that Mark Hamill from Star Wars
4: mm-hmm.
1: became a, a big name oh, and yeah. voiceover.
4: He's very good and very versatile. Let me
1: tell you. Let me tell you. I'm so glad you brought that up too. I
2: uh, I've had Mark on my podcast a couple of times, and one of them uh, I used to do it live at the Improv here in Hollywood. And um, Mark was just getting ready to go start working on the new Star Wars stuff, and of course he said, "Look, I really can't talk about Star Wars." And I said, "That's all right. It's a big Q and A." and I said no problem. And do you know there were 200 people in that audience you guys and not one of them asked a question about Star Wars. It was all about the
4: Joker. Wow. They all oh, wow. wanted to know about the See, Joker. See, I would have asked about the Texas Wheelers with Jack Yeah, I me. Mean, I said the same thing. Uh, I, I would done or Corvette Summer. Or Corvette you know? Summer. Right. Yeah. I'm in the minority I, with Annie Potts and That's I am
2: but I'm um, the and he have you had Mark on the show? We have not. We would love. Yeah, we would yeah, love, you love to have him.
1: He's great because he's a total geek too.
2: Well, have you put a word
6: stuff. in? I was
1: I in a movie with him and not in a movie with him, and the movie was called uh, Silk Degrees. Oh my God! With, there was a Bob Skaggs album. Was oh, a Bob Skaggs, Skaggs yeah. album? and no, it was yeah. Deborah Sheldon and. Uh, Mark Singer was also
4: oh, in Oh, the it. Beastmaster. Oh, I remember. Yes.
2: Beastmaster,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a club called
2: Beastmaster right in West Hollywood here. I'm sure. No, just right.
4: kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Joke. We'd, we'd love to have Mark. I think we called uh, him at a bad week. I think it was a Star Wars week. But, but we we adore his, his body of work.
2: I'll tell you what. I had Kevin Conroy, who's the voice of Batman, t- uh, in the same series. And I've known Kevin for years, and I had him on my podcast um, a few weeks ago, which is now a, a, an on-camera show. And um, I had uh, Kevin Conroy, Alan Burnett, who produced the show, and Paul Dini, who was one of the creators. Oh, I know who Paul. Also, yeah, and Paul created Harley Quinn. Sure. So I had the three of them on my podcast, you know, to talk about Batman, the animated series. My show is geared primarily toward animation um, for obvious reasons. And uh, what was so great is that um, the little clip that uh, Legendary Pictures, who – owns Nerdist and, and our show is done under the digital media wing of Legendary Pictures but they released this clip that uh, um, Kevin and I did of the the Dark Knight um, it, where um, Commissioner Gordon played by, um, um, oh God, I forgot his name, Gary um, Oldman, you know, right, is, right, is right. talking about how I'm going to go after you and, and I, I don't want to but you're going to hunt, I'm going to hunt you and all of that. So Kevin reads this piece uh, maybe a minute long And as they widened out, having been tight on Kevin, as they widened out, Paul Dini is wiping a tear out of his eye because Kevin's performance still elicits that kind of response from the guy who wrote it. Wow. And and within like a week, the thing had three million views because to a large segment of the population, my son included, who's 30, almost 33, as much as they love uh, Chris Nolan and all the Batman Uh iterations to a lot of po- of the population the batman is kevin and the joker is mark absolutely and when they hear those voices yeah. it just it tweaks them i and think it's, it's an anniversary
4: uh, today i believe it's 25 years 25 today, years today, today that the show the animated started the series that's right when we're recording this
2: uh next year it'll be 25 25 years that animaniacs uh premiered next year at this time oh wow. yeah it's it's uh but anyway those guys are great and mark is uh is a remarkable voice talent we did a show together called um uh, time squad it was mark myself and Pam Adlon who is uh, oh she uh, with works Bob- with uh, Louis CK right she's yeah. Louis CK they right. uh, she does a show now called uh, better things I think on FX but she was also Bobby Hill on King of the Hill um, and that was a blast mark is a uh, is a, a huge geek fan of
4: all, oh, yeah. We had, we, had, we admire him. We know he's one of us, so we want to talk yeah, to him. Yeah, totally <laughs> <is. laughs> he totally is. He's the only guy. Let me tell you one he, Go He's such a
2: geek that he's the only guy. When I remember one day at work, the show I was talking about, I said, you know what show I'd love to see again? My Mother, the Car. Oh, oh yeah, Oh, Jerry Van Dyke. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, Jerry Van Dyke and Ann Southern you was bet. the voice of the car. And I remember the the theme song and all that. Mark said, Oh, well, I have it on VHS. And I said, Yeah, right. He says, No idea. The next day he brought it in, he's got two VHSs of all the episodes of My Mother, the Car.
4: I know he's a man Great. after our own heart. He's a collector he truly is. and he loves all that stuff. You want to yeah. try this other one here? This, uh, this uh, Absolutely. This is craziness. This is Raging Bull. Yeah. And now, Gil. Yeah. Rob uh, does an absolutely wonderful Pat Buttram. Okay. Uh, yeah, watch well, what
2: I'm. We're gonna give it a try here. And I thought you, he,
4: over- I thought you could do uh, you could do Pat Buttram as Joey, and okay. Gil, you can show off your John MacGyver. Oh, okay, <laughs> <Dude>. John <laughs> MacGyver. Have you ever heard anyone do John MacGyver, Rob? I have
6: not. Just John MacGyver. The only guy I've heard. You're do in for it. a treat. So I'm Jake. Good.
4: You're Jake. Okay. Yeah.
6: You're Jake Lamata. Okay.
3: All right, fire when ready, Gil. Hey. <laughs> I heard some things. Did Salvy fuck Vicky? Wait a minute, what? Did Salve fuck Vicky? Now, Jack, don't start your shit. <laughs> Joey, I asked you, didn't I? Asked you to keep an eye on her. Yeah, and I did keep an eye on her. Yes, I did. How come you give him a beating? Well, now, I told you that. I told you what that was all about. That had nothing to do with you. He, well, he thinks he's a wise guy now. Joey, don't lie to me. Look here, man, I ain't lying to you. What do I look like to you, huh? Hey, I'm your brother. You're supposed to believe me. I, don't you trust me? No, I don't. <laughs> oh, oh, you don't. Well, that's right nice of you, Jake. I don't trust you other cubs to her. I don't trust nobody. Now tell me what happened. God damn it, I told you exactly what happened. He got out of line, I slapped him around. Tommy straightened it all out and then, 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 then it's all over. Don't give me that look, Joey. I gotta accept your answer, you know, but I'm telling you now, if I hear anything, I swear on mother, I'm gonna kill somebody. <laughs> I'm going to kill somebody, Joey. Well, then you go on ahead and kill everybody. You're the tough guy. Go kill people. Kill Vicky.
2: Kill Salvi. Kill Tommy Como. Hell, kill me while you're
6: at it. What do I care? You're killing yourself the way you eat. You're a fat fuck. Look at you. You're as full of shit as a Christmas goose. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was great oh, oh frank oh.
2: frank
4: those were inspired choices buddy thank I mean, you. That was- well thank you I, I i put a lot of time and thought into it
2: <laughs> uh, i got you guys i think i mentioned this to frank gilbert you'll love this i met pat buttram oh god years and years ago in a, a waiting room of a studio and i was working on some digi- disney project he was probably in his mid-80s and i could not believe my good fortune, right? So I went up and I said, Mr. Buttram, I am I am such a fan. I have to tell you, sir, I've stolen your voice on more than one occasion. He said, Well, that's all right, son. I ain't using it much no more. And then I, I wanted to keep talking with him. So I said, You look, you look great. How are you? And of course he was a vaudevillian, right? And without missing a beat in his 80s, he said, Man, I'm great. I just met me a five dollar hooker. Who
4: validates? Ha ha ha! Isn't
6: that great? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fantastic?
4: <laughs> There's a guy that saw and did everything. Oh man, that is, That's fa- a truth. That is fantastic. Rob, give us your plugs. Uh, oh, we wait. want to talk about the show again that you're doing with the with the great Randy Rogel, and you're going to be here in New York soon.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be coming for the uh, uh, for New York Comic Con, which I think is the fourth through the eighth of October this year, and on the. 8th at Joe's Pub. I think that's down on Lafayette, 425 Lafayette you bet, you in Manhattan.
4: Bet. I'm going to be at the um, Comic-Con, so I'm going to come and meet you.
2: Oh, perfect. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. And uh, it, our show is at 930 on the 8th. Uh, tickets are available at joespub.com or at Animaniacs. Uh, I think it's Uh And then you can also see the other places. We've got about 10 shows coming up the next couple of months, and a bunch of them already into 2018. Uh, people can follow me on... Um, uh, Twitter, and my Twitter handle is at Yakopinky, Yako Y A K K O P I N K Y, all one word, lowercase. Um, on Instagram, it's Rob underscore Paulson, P A U L S E N. And the podcast? Man, oh, and the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's called Talking Tunes, T A L K I N, apostrophe T O O N S. And uh, you can uh, find it if you go to nerdist.com or you go, Nerdist is actually partnering with another website called project alpha so same thing at project alpha it's an, a new offering there and it's it's really great if, if the listeners are involved are interested in animation you're going to hear from everybody who's still alive uh that you'd ever want to hear from and in fact coming up soon we spoke about him yesterday you guys should get alan oppenheimer he's a
4: blast oh you remember alan oppenheimer do you know that actor if i show him to you you're going to know you recognize right away. him immediately yeah. oh he was Murky in Brown everything and-
2: yeah, did just an incredible career, but also was the voice of Skeletor on uh, on He Man. Yeah. So a lot of your audience will love. I'm that. I'm going to show but him to
4: Gilbert right now. While yeah, you're, we get while you're uh, talking.
2: A lot of folks. So anyway, I've had everybody on from Billy West, John DiMaggio, um, God, Andrea Romano, and
4: um, and Andrea is retiring, her huh? or she or she and, did already retire. Andrea, yes, yeah,
2: no, she's re- yeah, she's. I think she did her last session last week, and I've known her since 1984.
4: Another great and, talent. Uh,
2: incredible she's got so many emmys she dresses them in barbie clothes it's uh,
4: <laughs> i can't get a signal yeah. here in the in the stu- in the, well, studio, in y- the booth y- yeah, but i y- know that i know that gilbert will know alan oppenheimer yeah, as soon yeah as immediately uh
2: but anyway that yeah thank you for letting me plug that stuff but uh come on out and see us i'm telling you that that music of randy rogel um is truly remarkable oh and, he's uh, oh he's
4: brilliant well here you he's, go uh, here you go yeah. Gil. there's alan oppenheimer Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, you know that guy. Yeah,
4: he was in a million. Yeah. Mean, he's been in a million things. He's one and of those faces. We love to have those kind of guys on the show too.
2: He would know, and he was a guy who was a contemporary of, of everybody about whom we've been speaking. He's a yeah. contemporary of McCormick's and Ridgely and Hammy and all those guys. He knew them all, and yeah. uh, and great Kenny Mars, another one was oh, just yes. uh, absolutely the. We could
4: go on prince. with you. I mean, when we'll do another oh, man. show because we got to talk about Kenneth Mars and Jonathan Winters, oh. and we didn't ask you about Gary <gasps> Owens and.
2: No, but, no. Listen, it, it was a real pleasure. Thank you so much again. I honestly, I, I was just thrilled to death when I found out that I was going to be on your show, and it's uh, it's been a um, total pleasure. Tell oh, us quickly, thank
4: Rob, about about uh, about June Foray who just passed, because I know a bunch oh, yeah. of fans of our fans wanted to know about her, and yeah. we didn't we didn't get her on here unfortunately, but
2: oh, what a, I what did a, get to write well, for
4: her, which was a thrill.
2: Yeah, oh, on Sylvester and Tweety. Yeah. yeah, and um, I re- see. The, I re- I met her again at Hanna Barbera on a Smurfs project, and she was seventy five. And I recall at the time thinking, "Wow, I'm so glad I meet got to meet June Foray." You know, before she passed. Well, here we are, twenty four years. She made it to ninety nine. God yeah. bless her. Yes, oh, bless her. And I remember when I worked with her, I did the same thing I did with. Uh, Mr. Blank, I said, I'm so you know, forgive me, Miss Fur, but she, you know, she's like all of us. She's an actor. She wants to do it, and uh, so I said, if I close my eyes, would you just say Hokey smoke, Bullwinkle? You know, (laughs) and it was fantastic. I mean, immediately I was just transported back to my, you know, sitting in front of the TV and back in Detroit eating cereal, watching Rocky and Bullwinkle, and great, she. Ate it up and uh, and talk about a trooper and and once the hook is set, I know you guys know because you have made your living in show business, man. Once the hook is set, it's done. It's over. You're always going to be like that, whether it's community theater or you do it for a living. And yeah. uh, when I um, uh, asked June to be on my podcast, we were doing it at that time at the John Lubitsch uh, Theater at Universal City, and I, I called her and she said, "Well, hi, Robbie, how are you? I said, I'm great." June, thank you for uh, uh, considering being on my podcast. Of course, I can't wait. Great. Well, I don't live far from you. I'm going to bring my computer and a microphone and and I'll come over. And she said, well, now, wait a minute. I understand that your podcast is done with a live audience. And I I said, well, it's true. And, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, but you're 94, you know. I was just trying to be very deferential. And she said, oh, no, no. I want to come and do it for the audience. And I'll be damned, you know, we Got her a car, brought her out, helped her up on stage. She was big as a minute. She was a tiny little thing. Uh And I'm telling you, Gilbert, when that woman stepped on stage, there were, I don't know, a couple hundred people. They all stood up. They went absolutely nuts. And watching, you know, being three feet away from this 94-year-old woman soaking up this thrill of the audience loving her the same way she would have at 20 was you know, just a, a really Im- incredible thing to to behold. And I'm, I'm sure in her mind she was going, you know, this is why I do this. Well, how Even nice you that did- you were
4: able to do that for her.
2: Oh, it was an absolute pleasure to see her do that. So, you know, it's sad that she left, but yeah. Jesus, she was about a month from 100. We what should a all run. make it to wow.
4: 99, right? Wow. right? No, Would I'm we be kidding. putting you on the spot, Rob, if we asked you to take us out with just a little bit of Yakko's World, or is that... Not at uh, all.
7: Not at all. In fact, if there's anybody in your studio that wants to sing along... Please do,
4: <laughs> Gil. You're going to love this.
7: And it goes like this: It goes, <clears throat> United. States. This is, by the way, this is a song you'll hear at Joe's Pub yes, because it Randy Rogel wrote this. you and, and Randy. For those of you, yeah, and for the
2: uh, one real quick anecdote: When you come to Hollywood or New York and you've got big dreams of stardom, um, this following little anecdote will either make you want to work at Starbucks or it will inspire you. When Randy Rogel got hired to write uh, uh, music on Animaniacs, he had already won an Emmy for writing Batman. Uh, the animated series, yep. and, uh, you know, heavy drama, all of that. He hears about Mr. Spielberg doing this music show with Animaniacs, yada, 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 starts banging on the door and says, you know, I want to do this. No, 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 you're a drama guy. You just won an Emmy. We gave you a raise. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm really, it's music, and I have a big musical theater background. So they say, okay, what do you got? This, ladies and gentlemen, was Randy Rogel's audition piece. <laughs> this wow. is what he had in his back
7: pocket, and it goes like this. It goes... United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, Republic, Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Greenland, El Salvador, too, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guiana, and still, Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina, and Ecuador, Chile, Brazil, Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Bermuda, Bahamas, Tobago, San Juan, Paraguay, Uruguay, Suriname, and French Guiana, Barbados, and Guam, Norway, and Sweden, and Iceland, and Finland, and Germany, now on peace, Switzerland, Austria, Czechoslovakia, Italy, Turkey, and Greece. Poland, Romania, Scotland, Albania, Ireland, Russia, Oman, Bulgaria, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, Cyprus, Iraq and Iran, there's Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, both Yemen's Kuwait and Bahrain, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium and Portugal, France, India, Denmark and Spain. Shall I keep going? Uh, please do. Oh, my God. The India, Pakistan, you have, Afghanistan, you have a Thailand, Thailand here. Poland, whole, Bhutan, Okay, Campuchia, Malaysia, then Bangladesh, Asia and China, Korea, Japan, Mongolia, Laos and Tibet, Indonesia, the Philippine Islands, Taiwan, Sri Lanka, New Guinea, Sumatra, New Zealand, then Borneo and Vietnam, Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana, Mozambique, Zambia, Swaziland, Gambia, Guinea, Algeria, Ghana, Burani, Lesotho and Malawi, Togo, the Spanish Sahara is gone, Niger, Nigeria, Chad and Liberia, Egypt, Benin and Gabon, Tanzania, Somalia, Kenya and Mali, Sierra Leone and Algiers, Dahomey Maybe a Senegal, Libya, Cameroon, Congo, Zaire, Ethiopia, Guinea, Bissau, Madagascar, Rwanda, Mayour, and Cayman, Hong Kong, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Yugoslavia, Crete, Mauritania, then Pennsylvania, Monaco, Liechtenstein, Malta, and Palestine, Fiji, Australia, Sudan. Wow. Oh, my God. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you. So that's his audition piece, ladies and gentlemen.
1: How
3: about that? Wow.
1: Thank Incredible, you. Incredible, Rob. This Thank has you. been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we've been talking to the man who I'm proud to be the Krang the Supreme <laughs> to his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle rob Paulson.
4: i'll see if you can Thank memorize you that song by next week oh yeah that's right <laughs>
1: unbelievable how do you
4: do it i mean it's one well, thing to memorize it it's another thing to, to memorize it and perform it in a voice in, in a well, character voice
2: look uh it's not false modesty i'm i'm good at my job but you know there are a million good singers in la the trick really is the song it's about yes, you know it's, it's, it's writing the song and um I'll tell you what, and in the in, I'll just give you this very quickly to finish with. Uh, in the meantime, of course, there's always somebody in an audience who says, well, that song was written 20 years ago. There are a bunch of new countries and blah, blah, blah. So Randy, when he had an extra five minutes, wrote this. He wrote,
7: <clears throat> Montenegro and Bosnia, Herzegovina, the Soviet <laughs> Union is gone. South Africa, Georgia, Moldova, Latvia, Belarus, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan. Then there's Tajikistan, too. Turkmenistan. Dagestan, Armenia, Tonga, Palau, Lithuania, Serbia, Kosovo, U.S., Samoa, the Balkans, Brunei, Macau, and Crimea, then Eritrea, Ukraine, and Estonia. Here's Macedonia, New Caledonia, Eastern Slavonia, Ivory Coast, and Cape Verde, Andorra, the Solomon Islands, Dubai. Goodbye. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> Rob, this is a, tr- a real treat for us. Thank you so much. Thank
2: you, Absolutely Rob. Absolutely my pleasure. We'll see you next month. Okay, my friend. I'll hold you to it. Thank I you, Gilbert. will be there.
4: So okay, everybody go pleasure. to Joe's Pub in October and see uh, the great Randy and uh, and Rob. Thanks. thanks so
2: much, folks. Really appreciate it.
0: <sighs> you look sad, right?
5: Perhaps a little. Just taking in the night, Pinky. So vast are the heavens, this starry canopy. To contemplate the endless nature of the universe is to acknowledge one's own insignificance.
0: It's really dark, too, with little sparkly things.
5: Sometimes it seems so burdensome, so... Factless.
0: Yes. It's completely without feck.
5: Words have no meaning. I'm left speechless. I don't know what to say.
0: I always know what to say, Brain. <laughs> just say no. Just say no. When you aim to exclaim, just say no.
5: Yes, always. It
0: doesn't make any difference if you shout or sing. It doesn't mean anything. Just say sword. just say toy. No. Wear a hat, kiss a fish, call I Now you may be a mouse who thinks that life isn't fair. No. You gallop no. in a wheel, no. but you don't no. go anywhere. No. At least you didn't end up being married to Cher. Just say no, just say no, just
3: say no.
5: Oh, yes. It's obviously been some delusion caused by a combination of iron deficiency and a subconscious fear of nincompoops. <laughs>
0: Just say no, just say no.
5: It isn't even a word.
0: Ow! It's right here in Roger's. Just say no. So what if the numbers don't make sense on a chart? Who said you got to be smart? Paint your nose, chill some flan, and remember to pre-grease the pan. Our North cannot explain our Newton's gravity laws It's absolutely useless on linoleum floors Whoa. It a a solution, but it's short sure that the cause Just say, not, Just say,
3: not, Just say, North!
5: From there, Pinky. Only if you say north, Brain. I am not going to utter that nonsensical syllable, (laughs) Pinky. Just
3: say north, just Just say say north,
0: just say north. See how simple it is, Brain?
5: You mean how simple you are? Oh, all right. Narf. There, I said it. Are you happy?
0: Now you feel so much better now, Brian?
5: As a matter of fact, no. Narf. Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santa Padre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Our researchers are Paul Rayburn and Andrea Simmons. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pair, Nancy Chinchar, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Murray, John Fotiadis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance.